They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. highest science of the initiate is elitiaism, which is learning how to create a reality in your mind. So when you leave, you exist. You can just go into that. Like you literally learn how to literally build a reality while you're in the physical body. Everyday Sikhist meditation, Sikhism, it's this meditation technique of how to bring your five senses back into your imagination. And you use it, it strengthens your imagination by doing that. When you visualize an apple and you bite the apple, so you taste it as one of the senses. You hear the crunch, you smell, you know how the apple smells when you bite it. Seeing the apple and all of that type stuff is building your imagination every day in that meditation technique for you to build a reality. So these ancients learned how to escape the reincarnation.
Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. I'm your host, as always. Welcome to another episode. This is, this is a good one. I've been looking forward to this one. I like this guy's stuff. I love all your material, bro. But before we get to it, make sure to check out the Occultist Monday journals, right? I got a new issue out today. So make sure to check that out. Kofi.com slash TJOJP. Make sure to check out the comic book. And I also will put the Kickstarter for issue two in the description. So make sure to sign up for that. And yeah, everything else, patreon.com slash the one one podcast, tjojp.com. All my links are on there and let's get to it. Ani, welcome to the show, bro. First timer. I found you through Tommy. So shout out to Tommy. And I really, really like your stuff. Welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. Uh, likewise, man. I, I watch your show now on a regular at work. You know, I just put it on the headphones and just, just let it go, you know, gets me through the night. And I appreciate what you do for the community. And uh, shout out to uh, Tommy for plugging me into a, a new community. I didn't know exist. I didn't know you guys existed, but you guys are very important to what you do for the information and, and what we're contributing to this thing. Yeah, for sure, bro. It's, it's funny how that works, right? There's there's parallels there's communities running parallel to hours that you don't even know about until you start to really and i i'm always on the search for the 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 next and i only have people on that i resonate with because i have people like oh you should check out so and so you should it's like no i'm if i'm meant to find them i'm gonna find them and if i want them on my show they're gonna come on my show you know what i mean it, that that's just a connection i have with it. i don't just have anybody on just because like I have somebody on who right. I resonate with their material and here we are, bro. Can you let people know where they can find your work? Yes. Uh, right now, most of my work is on patreon.com slash the T H E underscore spiritual shade room. You can find me on Instagram at the spiritual shade room, the number one that's all together. And I'll be posting my first video on my new YouTube because my other YouTube was erased. Um, Ani Osaru, you can find it on um, under uh, the Spiritual Shade Room as well. You can type in either and it'll pop up on YouTube for you guys. And from my, from what I understand, you have a book as well, Ani? I, saw you I do. I wrote a book in 2018 called The Blueprint of Darkness how to eradicate mind tricks in a mind controlled society. It's a, a, a premise book and an introduction into spirituality into my life, how I got started. And it's good. It's good for a basis to understand why darkness has been ostracized as something evil and how it's one of the main uh, connections into spirituality. And, I had asked you before what your background is, because when I hear you speak, you you speak very, <laughs> very well. And it's usually I'm not saying you're an agent, bro, but usually those guys I, I always ask people like because you can tell when somebody's educated, right? You can tell when somebody knows their stuff and you're one of those yeah. people. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what got you started in this whole esoterica game? Because I know it's it's a niche, right? Right. I'll tell you right now. uh I, I started off as a Christian, like most people. Uh, my family was raised, uh, not really a denomination, here in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And I grew up, man, going to like two churches like a week, man. And, but it always <laughs> pondered in my mind since I was a child, like, what is this angel and demon thing? So since I was like eight years old, I was really into studying 
the the pantheon or do we dare call it a pantheon of angels you know the the, the choirs the powers the archangels what the, denomination uh, was it was it baptist or we didn't really have what i guess you can call it we didn't have a denomination but i guess you can call it baptist we didn't really have one our church didn't have one mm. but um yeah i was just into that type of stuff i would talk to my sunday school teacher ask her questions she was like wow you have a very bright mind you know my vedic astrology is porva falgani uh, Leo constellation. So I, I, I just stay on top of my creativity being born under the sun in Pisces. So uh, I just had a, a big imagination, man. The teacher tried to kill my, my, my fucking imagination. And I, uh, my mom would call the school all the time and said, just let him write in his journal and he'll be fine. And that's what actually built on into my imagination. And later I discovered lecturers like C. Freeman L., Bobby Hemet, you know, uh, these other types of people that was into esotericism that exposed me into other communities of esotericism. And that's what intrigued me to start research early, like in 20, 2013 or something like that. I remember my first decode was the Rihanna's umbrella video <laughs> <laughs> so you've been doing this for a little bit and i, and I remember that that who, who'd you say c freemanelli you said yeah c freeman l is uh he's a, a master teacher of more science you can find him on youtube in astrology he's uh his niche is astrology and bobby and who bobby himmet bobby himmet I always take notes and I always revisit, re revisit writing new material. And that's how I get introduced to new things. Cause I'm real big on mainly P hall and I've listened to numerous, numerous hours of his work. So, I mean, and even like Terrence McKenna too, right. You'll pick up here and there, Terrence McKenna, mm -hmm. not so much, but here and there you'll pick up a nugget of, you know, something, something good and you, you can follow it. But yeah, that's awesome, man. I remember I grew up Pentecostal Christian so I grew up in not so much the angels and all that stuff, but the glossa alia, is that, I think that's how you say it, where the speaking in tongues yeah. and the mm -hmm. divine language and the Holy Spirit. And they're real big on running around, fainting, doing backflips, doing all, all sorts of crazy. I saw it too, bro. <laughs> and I, I played guitar for many years at my church. So I was a musician and I was in the worship group and we, we did it all. We traveled around and... I was in that. I was going to church four times a week, right? I mean, that's just the way it was. And I also was asking difficult questions. I was also a problem. I was asking mm -hmm. about Enoch, and I was asking about why the Old Testament was so much different than the New Testament. I was just getting these weird answers, like, ah, you know what? It was a, a family member told me at one point, like, yo, just ditch the whole Old Testament. I was like, wait a minute, what? Just ditch the Old Testament just all together? Yeah, we're not going to really focus on all that. I'm like, you know, what's the point? So... There's only 43,000 denominations of Christianity. So, I mean, I'm sure that they've got their stuff together, but I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't bash religion. I do believe it has its, per I'm sorry, I do bash religion, but I organize religion. I do believe it serves its purpose when someone needs guidance of some sort and it's a system that somebody can have a foundation on. Otherwise, I think it's too dogmatic and I don't, I mean, it's, it's a business, man. Uh, at the end of the yeah. day, it's a business and this is how they run it, but. Today, we're going to be talking about the origins of the primordial world. And I know you had some yep. material 
on that and i i like the way you approach things very scientific and you've talked about some things that i'd never heard about in your material and i just recently listened mm -hmm. to you on donuts channel with the with the <laughs> illuminati penguins bro and that <laughs> that episode went hard bro that was really good you guys did a really good job on that thank you man thank you man a lot of people will probably you know oh this guy talking about penguins but I get deep into the metaphysics. He didn't actually, you know, play the full video. He, he took clips from it, but we went into some Manly P Hall things and we're going to go into that as well today. Uh, Cause part of his um, studies is into the Lemurian, yes. you know, worlds. And uh, we got to dive a little bit into that on the back end. And uh, yeah, I just want everyone in your audience to know that I do dive into the physics of to re of reality so if you hear a word you know you know just look look the word up it's not we'll get through it and i <laughs> i love questions you know because a lot of people are like hey i don't know what that means and yeah. a lot of times in certain communities we get conditioned with these cliche isms i don't like that man like saying i really don't like the word energy no more like i i, I just be listening to some podcasts and they say energy like 50 million times so mm -hmm. I started using the word effervescence, you know, that's a, that's another word for energy, you know? So I, I just, you know, get creative in the way that I utilize the word because the words are the logos and it sparks the imagination to enter into that realm of understanding. And that's what we're all trying to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know it all. This is just my research and you can verify because I give you scholarship. If somebody wants a reference point, but that's just how I've done information. I was trained that way uh by bobby hemmon and the rest of the people that came before me yeah and manly p hall doesn't do a very good job on that at all he does not give sources whatsoever but it was i did a, in an interview with ronnie pontiac which was manly p hall's substitute lecture mm -hmm. for a period of time and he told me that well he didn't tell me another friend of mine had asked him on an interview and he said the reason for that was because they felt sometimes like that piece of information was so fire and given the time when he mm -hmm. was writing giving credit and citing your work wasn't really part of the process of writing something so they would quite mm -hmm. literally not plagiarize in like a bad sense but take entire excerpts of other people's work because it was so fire and he has a name so he's like i'm gonna put this in my work because this is great but they wouldn't right. cite where they got it from but that's why they did mm -hmm. that it was like more of a it was of the times, if if you will, yeah. for lack of a better term. And mm -hmm. that's just the way that they did it. So and then coming from that, because I like to cite my sources, too. But I like to if I'm going to say something crazy, I like to have my where I got it from. So I always give people sources if they if they want to learn more, because a lot of people sometimes they put it a better way than you could ever put it. So I'll go, hey, if you want to learn more, go read this book or look, you know, look at it here. But let's get into it, bro. Yeah, let's get into it, man. Uh, you got the screen share? Yeah, let me know when you want me to pull it up. I see us right now. <laughs> if I pull it, okay. it's going to be Inception. There you go. There we go. Okay, so, yeah. Um, the main thing that I believe, like, what Manly P. Hall or all of these different occultists and esotericists, we're mainly studying portal physics. So, I like to get into the science of the primordial realms and how we went through the portal 
and we constantly go through portals now today it's our uh our feminine counterparts which is becoming debatable <laughs> but uh this is like a vast science of the ancient world so these are two uh models of a portal here and prior to the dome mythos in flat earth theory or what you see in israelite cosmology we we learn in like the sumerian tablets the babylonian cuneiform clay tablets going way back you know probably as far as we can with this type of information lemuria in atlantis is more of theories that these older civilizations said they told them that or they read something that they didn't quite write down for us to see because most of them studied the skies and the way that stars are in the celestial vault and how consciousness passes through these stars sort of like telephone lines and the information of how that works wasn't conveyed for over 25 hundred years of them communicating amongst themselves and then somebody 2500 years ago said yeah those guys they really knew stars very well <laughs> you know and that's it that's all we get we don't get the exact physics of it so we're understanding how to combine both today but you know before the dome mythos the israelite cosmology uh we were said to be under these prime evil waters of chaos and this is connected to Tiamat, a uh, planet or a rim. I like to call it a plane or a rim of existence. And her husband, Apsu, in Babylonian Sumeria. Or you have another context of the waters of Nun in Kemet, which is Egypt, the Greek transliteration or Nyx, or it's called Nyx in Greece. These are all primeval waters, primeval waters. So what's, what was said to happen in the Israelite cosmology and some of the flat earth theories is that the firmament was said to have broke during the fall of an aeon, which is a Gnostic term that we'll probably get into if we can get into the information. So this is uh, mayontology meeting ontology. Mayontology is the study of non-being and ontology is the awareness of being. So it's coming from a non-being world when this firmament broke and the waters poured in and began what is called the flood. Now the flood from what I studied isn't a physical flood, although we may have had many flood disasters, which a lot of civilizations and the study of uh, erosion or whatever the sciences of that, we know that floods happen that devastated different civilizations. But the great flood on record in most religious texts in esoteric occult texts from what I studied isn't a physical flood. So I, what I'm looking at in studying it is that there's rings of consciousness that was sheath 
in a realm in quantum physics called primordial goo. And this is a, 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 a physics term called quark gluon plasma, QGP. So this is what the primordial waters or the primeval waters were. Same thing. QGP, quark gluon plasma. And what they found in science compared to the occult ancient esoteric allegories was very surprising that the viscosity of this primordial fluid turned out to be astonishingly close to what water is in the physical, which has led researchers to conclude that elementary particles form fractions of a second after what's called the Big Bang, which that's debatable, but it may have flowed as water, these quark gluon, this quark gluon plasma. So this is what is the formation of what we call the abyss, the great deep personified in Kemet compared by noon or the goddess Tyert, which is said to be the mother of the gods and mainly the mother of Set, who is said in his ancient name, Sut or Sut, which I'm getting this from um, the celestial ship of the north. You can see uh, she has a footnote, Lavosky down here. But the celestial ship of the north uh, by Valencia Straten, Emma Valencia Straten. Uh, you see her son name is Sut. And originally her name was Typhon, but her name is Tyert and Kemet. But we're talking about the same goddess. Anytime you see certain goddesses or gods in different pantheons, you will see similar traits. And what they're showing you is that all of the goddesses and gods are still talking about a monotheistic realm of consciousness. But each of the gods have its own attribute to the great God beyond. That's all it was. So a lot of the science or the science folks couldn't understand that. They just thought these people were worshiping a bunch of gods and they thought they were heathens because of it or heretics. And really they had a advanced physics of what God was. They had literally everything advanced in a formula of mathematics of the equation to what the soul and the spirit is in relationship to God. And we're just getting on the precipice of this uh, research. So Tyert is called the, the interior of all gods. Uh, the father mother is what she's called. And what is the father mother in theosophy? This is from the secret doctrine. H.P. Blavatsky calls the father mother the concrete emanation of Akasha. And are you familiar with Akasha, Juan? No, I've never, I'll be honest, I've never really looked into Blavatsky's work all that much hmm. because hmm. it's hmm. 
Hmm. It's kind of outdated. And Manly P. Hall did a lot of, took a lot of inspiration from her and really put it in layman's terms to where people could digest it. Because if you're reading through Blavatsky's work, it's, it's kind of, it's a grind when you're trying to read it and trying to interpret it. So I'll be honest, I'm ignorant to when it comes to Blavatsky's work. I know a bit about her, uh, like that she traveled around and didn't shower for a long period of time. <laughs> so she was probably nasty, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had to dress like a man back then mm-hmm. to even be in these esoteric circles because that knowledge wasn't presented to women. Mm-hmm. But no, I was just talking about Akasha. I mean, her history, nonetheless, I, I know it kind of okay but akasha is supposed to be this realm of consciousness that we all collectively is it kashik Kashik records akasha yeah Yeah. that's what that's what it is oh wow okay akasha interesting it's the akashic records it's Mm -hmm. it's like we're all consciousness where you can instantly tap into your genetic clan data But, but it's a goddess Akasha, or I mean, space or sky or aether in traditional no, Indian cosmology. No, no, no. I didn't call it a god. A goddess. I was saying that Tyre oh, is okay. called the father mother. In, in H. P. Vlavatsky's text, the father mother is called <clears throat> a analogy to the concrete emanation of what Akasha is. Mm, okay, I got you. I'm with you now. Okay. So, in another sense, the father mother refers to what is called the second logo. So, you have the first logos. The first logos in this universe is the unmanifested half of the masculine energy. And the second logos is when the mother comes in into the etherical spirit form to clean up the masculine's mess because the masculine is literally what ushered in physical physical density physical density was ushered in by the masculine half in the universe so spirit soul ether is a feminine principle in occultism and esotericism so it represents the male and female poles of the universe in the secret doctrine so uh what we're dealing with is minogenic rays from a dark light and from a white point of astral light congealing to create a phase of existence called the Anupadaka in the secret doctrine. And the Anupadaka is translated by H.P. Vavosky to be the chaos realm or these this Buddhic realm of parent parentless beings parentless beings means what that means is one nothing proceeded before this realm does that make sense you keep saying rim is is, are we speaking about the ouroboros in a sort of way this rim that that exists and because we're still speaking about before you get the physical the physical is built on top of these networks of spiritual planes or realms. Mm, okay, I got you. But they're layered, mm-hmm. just like how you have a spirit that's connected to the astral realm, right? Yeah. The astral realm, people seem like, ooh, the astral realm is the best thing you can do. I astral traveled last night. 
ooh, that's the best thing you can do. But really, there's hyperdimensional planes. You, you Have you ever done psychedelics before? I have, yeah. Well, that's beyond the astral plane. Hyperdimensional. Because you can come into a awareness. The astral plane is something, it's like a etherical net that spirits sometimes get trapped in. So when somebody, for instance, if they get in a bad car accident, car accident and God forbids they, they lose their life, some people get ejected out the body so quickly because of a violent death that they wander the astral plane not even knowing that they died. Interesting. You see? Mm. So it's like a, a a web almost that catches you. That's what the astral plane, but there's realms beyond that. And that's why I named my journal Cultus Mundi, because I do believe there are layers of existence stacked on top of one another. And I do believe that we coexist with these other realities and dimensions. And psychedelics is a way of tapping into being able to see these other dimensions and I do believe that when you take these substances, they open up your perception to other frequencies and other, I know you don't like energies, but energies, bro. <laughs> that you're able to <laughs> no, no, see. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I, I just, I hate on those podcasts when they say, it, oh, in the energy, and then the energy. And then I'm like, come on, bro. You gotta, you gotta switch it up a little bit. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's all about perceiving these mm -hmm. other dimensions. And I think that psychedelics and even wine and spirits and all mm. these do you know that that the word bar in sumerian means altar and there's a reason why you go to an, a bar to drink wine and spirits right i mean it makes sense because some mm -hmm. people talk about possession when they drink and they're they're overtaken by other entities so makes sense bar also means saturn Oof. in ishmaelism islam the word bar they would say bar 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 it means saturn interesting and every time you mm -hmm. yes, go to the bar you're you're giving you're giving praise to saturn <laughs> let's go <laughs> bar hopping right <laughs> yeah bar hopping yeah wow. yeah i think yeah. that etymology i'm i'm ignorant a little bit to it and i'm i'm ignorant to astrology you know there's things that i'm still getting into that i've never really had an interest in and i and i only really study whatever interests me and i find interesting but i've noticed that astrology and etymology hold a lot of keys to this this game or whatever this is you know it it holds right. a lot of of answers to the things that we study let me take this out real quick so you can do your yeah thing. go ahead because sometimes when you wait a long time it, uh... it's all good but yeah no absolutely i think language and they write the the word grammar comes from grimoire i've said that a bunch of times and i think mm -hmm. that when you're speaking you're speaking things into existence and you're casting spells and it does resonate on multiple dimensions that's why you should be careful what you wish for because you could get something that you didn't intend to happen and i'm always very careful with what i say and even with what i think because that's also another form of of speaking it's just in a different way and it still resonates in the ether in this this akashic realm if you will absolutely i teach on patreon how the original dynamics of because anytime you speak you're casting a spell it don't matter if you don't want to cast a spell <laughs> when you're calling somebody name you're casting a spell that's why they kind of merge the language to to mean that when you spell words 
they understand the science because it's nothing but vibrations and waveforms. But originally, when you when you're when you're speaking, you're supposed to visualize the color connected to the vibrational tetrahertz of letters and words. And that's how you emphasize the spell. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, with thought forms and egregores. I did an episode with, with Ben about that, about how I think it was, I think Ledbetter was one of the ones, that, which he was homeboys with Blavatsky, wasn't he? CW, yeah, CW Ledbetter. Yeah. Ledbetter, and it was another one. And and Bassant, I believe, was the other lady that, that Yeah, Bassant, yeah. Yeah, that's wild, bro. That's really wild. I, I find that super interesting. Yeah, it's called uh, quantum chromodynamics. Uh, strong nuclear force. Colors run shit, bro. Like, literally, if you put... Uh, it can, I, I can't say that word, right? I don't know. What? The S word. Because <laughs> sometimes I just slip out and I just... No, you know, you're good, bro. Yeah, you're good. All right. Just making sure. Because some people, like, they don't allow that, you know. But yeah, um, You're good. But... Uh, the co- quantum chromodynamics and colors, which actually comes from the word kalas. Kalas is the warping of reality. That's what kalas is. Uh, it's the um, it's the cycle. It's a cycle of frequency. A frequency is a cycle per second. And when you're speaking, there's vibrations and waveforms that you're uttering. The mm-hmm. silence is like the highest frequency. That's why when you meditate, you're supposed to be silent. So when they say talk is cheap, it literally is. The the You get more spiritual currency out of the meditation than you can speaking. But those who did use the science of uttering words in what's called abramalic spell magic, uh, they knew that Kabbalists studying the Kabbalah you're, you're supposed to visualize a color associated with words. And that's how you, that's, that's called the, um, the cosmic language. If you know how to speak and visual visualize colors while you're speaking, you can literally send a conscious thread out of your mind and make somebody do something that you want. A sympathetic magic. Is that, that Abra Melon, mm-hmm. does that have to do with Abra Melon? The, 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 mm-hmm. the mage uh, yeah the mage yeah abramelic magic is spellbinding magic interesting and mm-hmm. so we're we don't give the ancients as as much credit as we should because what you're speaking on that they had the ideas of what the self was what the soul is and we take everything so literally right like you have that picture of that god that was that the mother you said the the yeah, let me bring it back father up. mother was it or mother yeah tired mother she's called the mother of god <laughs> but she's called the father mother father because, mother yeah because these gods here they don't have a parent they're the mm-hmm. first I mean, the, the oldest astrological uh calendar we have tired is in the middle of it it's in the temple of dendera so she's a hippopotamus god so you see that depiction of her though it's like this hippo this this hippopotamus half woman half, is it androgynous is it it's both right it's both it's it's uh it's probably androgynous but it's not it's like let's just say every god is supposed to have a feminine trait mm. she just has straight feminine traits though she don't have she doesn't have really a masculine trait she's known for birthing the father 
So that's why they call her the father mother. You get I got it? You. Yeah, yeah, I got you. It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, because we take everything literally, and I, I did an episode on the occult anatomy of man by Manly P. Hall the other day, and he was talking about the seven different seals of how you're supposed to interpret scripture. And I mean, this applies for any scripture that there is, in my opinion. And historical was like the first lowest of the totem pole of interpretations that you could have for any scripture, any, anything that that's the most superficial level. It's like, Oh, historically this, did this happen? Historically did the flood happen? And what you're getting at bro is like next level where it's like, maybe it wasn't a physical flood, how they want us to believe it. Maybe there was a physical flood, like water, like water that swept. I'm sure that happened throughout history, but mm -hmm. what if they were talking about something else? And I have this theory of, cause you're talking about the, the QGP and this plasma and the primordial goo. And I remember growing up, bro, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm about to be 29 next month. And growing up, I remember quicksand being this thing, right? And all these movies and shows that would show quicksand. And now mm -hmm. you don't really see quicksand all that much, but was that some sort of programming for this black goo type of thing? Cause I always thought like, yo, if you ever get caught in quicksand, bro, you're done. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you're, you're you're gone. You're out of here. And I remember Disney shows and cartoons showing quicksand. Now, I mean, again, I could be wrong, but it's just something in the subconscious, right? We're talking about MK, that stuff, right? The whole mind control yeah. and all this, all these other things where they put subliminal messaging behind things. And if you're able to see it, that's fine. But your subconscious catches on to a lot of these things that they show you subconsciously. And they say that what 90 something percent of our decisions are made subconsciously. That it's like, like an Absolutely. impulse that just jump, you just jump on it. So I'm just making all these connections of how, you know, the, the goo, right. They've always talked about it and how we don't give the ancients enough credit when it comes to, to this, these interpretations. And my theory was, look, I was looking at some plates of Edward Kelly, the alchemist with John D and he shows these steps on how to make the Philosopher's Stone, which my interpretation of alchemy has changed drastically. And I think it's like this topic where it morphs into whatever you want it to be, because I think it's more of an experience type of thing. Mm -hmm. But he shows the steps on creating the Philosopher's Stone alchemically, right? In these plates, which is fine. It's typical plate. You know, it's a typical plate alchemical text. It's very shredded in symbology and i'm going to pull it up real quick because at the very last plate where you where you achieve the magnum opus and you become right you you do the magnum opus and you step outside of time it shows some interesting pictures and you're making me think of the flood well what if noah's ark right because we know noah was one of these flood figures right a vessel an ark, a boat, a vessel, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Holds two of every animal, right? We have the primordial egg here, which you can link that to the primordial goo or the primordial origins, right? Of time, which it always, there's always the egg. And what hatches out of that? Well, the, the sacred homunculus or the hermaphrodite, whatever it is you want the it to Orphic be. The Orphic mysteries is the egg, yeah. So this is the magnum opus according to edward kelly which he was actually one of the greatest alchemists of all time but he's just highly slept on because of what happened with john d but you have the waters you have the vessel or the ark and then you have the two of every animal which i found interesting so i said what if noah what if that was 
symbolic for some sort of alchemical work, right? To transform the world, right? And it, it includes this flood, but again, the water is above. You have the firmament above, which you were talking about, and it mm -hmm. breaking. So I don't know, but that's just one of my theories that this is, that I think that the story of Noah's Ark was more of an alchemical story of, it was. of him trying <laughs> to transmute reality, if you will, with the help of God or Yahweh or El, whoever you want to choose, right, to <laughs> go down the line. <laughs> Which uh, we will have to talk about that another time. But um, the Egyptians were master alchemists. Matter of fact, the word Egypt isn't even, like I used the term, Kemet. Do you know the word alchemy comes from Kemet because they called the science of the Kemetians, mm -hmm. which is their original name, Alchem. The word chemistry comes from them. And it's the science of the darkness, which when you study alchemy, you'll notice there's the Negrito phase, which is called the blackening stage. The, mel the mel melanogenesis is the blackening stage. Everything, even when you burn something, it returns back to the darkness, which fi fire represents consciousness, represents fi. fi. Fi, fire, father. It's the same thing, consciousness. Then you have the red, uh, the reddening stage, which is called the rubido. Then you have the whitening stage, uh, which is called albedo. I'm skipping the centronitis because that's debatable. That's the yellowing stage. Mm -hmm. But all of these phases of how to turn... Um, things into gold or to make this substance called a cultum or for real mm -hmm. they were into it comes from the science that the commissions left behind they could make this substance i saw in a book they will rub this substance on something that they will make alchemically and it will cause it to float and they said they would that's how they built the pyramids they floated those those large um, whatever you call it they they didn't some people say they slid them across mud yeah. and stuff like that but they were floating these things and when I get deeper into the information you'll see um, some connections to what you were saying about the subconscious realm because that's the stuff that's being locked away matter of fact the Roman government outlawed the underworld pantheons to all mystical systems because the under, yeah, the underworld is literally the physics of the subconscious under sub under what's under the subconscious is like what's programming us is coming from that realm. And these primordial worlds I'm going to speak on, are literally subconscious constructs that still exist as a part of the collective consciousness. We've just neglected it. And that's why we're locked outside of it. And what a better way than to shroud it in symbolism of these gods, right? Because I've been as of recently looking at things at a much deeper level than the superficial stuff. Because again, when you start to look at something how you were saying earlier, only the initiated had the keys of deciphering whatever that they were reading. 
So all these stories that we're reading about, there's a much deeper meaning behind all of them. So look at, I don't like Crowley, but Crowley talked about how Goetic Magic was actually unlocking parts within your own psyche mm-hmm. and being able to interact with these, right, these these demons well it's you bro you're the like you are the dark self like carl Jung. that's why i love carl Jung so much because he he took occultism from an academic point of view and his Mm -hmm. bro his work is wild i mean i'm sure you know but the way he Mm -hmm. would the implications of what he was getting at is is bananas to me you know what i'm saying yeah carl Jung highlighted the shadow Mm -hmm. that's what i'm going to teach in my first youtube video umbra kinesis how to control the shadow. Each of us have a shadow. Trauma is like a black hole in our life. You know, when we go through our lifetime, each of us experience two two ends of the polarity, trauma and bliss. That's what we're clashing against. And the trauma traps a portion of your subpersonality way back then. That part of yourself is still trapped in that black hole, sucked in there. And Carl Jung was teaching how to go back to that area in your mind that started the trends of how you think today. What triggered you to go down a spiritual journey? What triggered you to do what you did to that person that they didn't like? There's a shadow in each and every one of us. Not only that, there's many shadows. That's the Goetia. There, so scientists say that we can only use 10% of the mind. The other 90% is the Goetia. Now, the demons got misinterpreted because the demons back in Etruscan Greek terminology was called the daimon. Daimon literally transliterates as uh, gods. Or it was called a good spirit. If you go to Google or it'll, it'll say daimon means good spirit. Now, tell me if I told, you know, someone who's of a religious faith, demon comes from daimon, that means good spirit. How they, What would they say to me? Have you ever read this book, bro? I'm going to send it to you after we're done here. It's called Daimonic Reality. Mm-hmm. Patrick yep. Harper. Yep. Yeah. I always tell people about it. Just recently uh, found this book. Yeah, Bobby Hemmett, uh put me on that book. Oh, really? Um. Yeah, it's all about studying the daimonic reality mm-hmm. because that's what these primordial worlds are based upon. So, quick really question, because mm-hmm. you're making me think, bro. You got the you got the little hamster wheel in my head, like running, you know, running. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The would that be the dark matter? Would that be part of like how you're saying this as because right they say reality is a certain percentage what we can see and then the rest is dark matter or dark energy. It's like, well, we don't know what the other ninety-five percent is. How similarly to how they say the gray right, we have gray matter in our brain. Well, it would that also be kind of sort of the same thing? Because it kind of relates to the I think when I think of that, I think of like goo, right? When I think of 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 dark matter or primordial goo and then 
I have this picture in my head of Primordial Goo being, again, back to my kid days, where they would show us in these dinosaur books. Now, I guess dinosaurs are fake nowadays, but the, right, the bubbling. And there was, like, bones and stuff in it, right? It's like, oh, we came from that. Like, yeah. We came from that goo, right? <laughs> That's yeah, That was, like, the first that. life form. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of right now, bro. Oh, you just reminded me. I was watching Mandalorian last night, and they talk about the Mythosaurus. Like the whole the whole thing of the Mandalorian in Star Wars is about Mythosaur. It's funny they named it Mythosaurus, like it's the dinosaur myth. But anyways, yeah, um, it, it I mean the dark matter is just the nest of all of this. Of what I'm talking about, it's just the nest and home. It's uh, more incremental. We can separate it from dark matter because dark matter is just the veil behind these spiritual realities. It's, it's the glue. So we can look at dark matter as the glue that puts it all together. You know, the third dimensional, the fourth dimensional, all the way to 11 dimensions, which I could get into with the 11 dimensions is strings. The smallest thing there is is strings, string theories, bosons, mesons, baryons, all of these terms comes from that 11th dimension, which is, you know, one of the, the main dimensions they're trying to figure out. They'll never figure it out. But, um, yeah, that's all the dark matter is. But um, yeah, let me let me show you something real quick, though. Let me show you something. Because a lot of people don't know this part of the information when it comes to the origins of, of Earth. Do we do we understand that Earth wasn't always a physical form? And all of these places, they're trying to take us to Mars jupiter and all of these things are actually planes when you look into the cymatic research i love this guy on twitter named cymatic jewel this guy goes in bro you might need to follow him but the cymatic research is talking about the primal sound and light fields that matriculates down and become and become these apparatuses of consciousness that becomes a part of physical constructs, 3D constructs. What'd you say this guy's name was, bro? Cymatic what? This is Cymatic J-O-U-L-E. Jewel on Twitter, man. He'd be dropping some information. But the cymatic research is actually what stars are. The stars aren't burning balls of fire. You know, that's not correct when you get deep into the research you study cymatics the pulsations of sounds then you really get to understand what is the true physics of what we're looking at at nighttime in the sky it's not mm. a burning ball of fire that doesn't make sense in a vacuum how can fire exist they said space is a vacuum right that'll make sense so um this is the thing earth wasn't always physical so the flood could have been speaking about when the spirit realm got encapsulated into a physical reality. Oof. So let me get into some interesting stuff for your audience real quick. Intergalactic commerce in a spirit plane. Let's get to the good stuff. I want you to imagine this. Could you imagine? So I would have to get into the 5D, 6D, 7D stuff, but I won't do it on this one. But um, 
let's delve into our imaginations and fa fathom how this work. Because um, we have a piece of this science to present to you guys. There was a tractor beam. You know how the UFOs have that tractor beam, like a portal coming down? And it's supposed to abduct you? Let's say, can you see this where I'm circling that? Zoom in, you, you, if you press control and then you use the other, yeah, never mind, you have a, a thing there. And for yeah, those listening at home. I didn't want to zoom over it, though, because mm, it's like yeah, right I see it. here. Okay. That's, so in the middle, so I like flat earth theory. I haven't been convinced that it is flat earth yet or whether it's, uh, or whether it's a sphere earth. I don't really mm -hmm. care. I'm yeah. a, I'm a get off of earther. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> so anybody asking that questions, you know, there you go. There's, there's your answer. So in the middle, they talk about the Rupus Nigra. It's like the center of the world. 33 miles long. One. Say it again. It's 33 miles long. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Well, there yeah, you Mercator, go right there. Mercator talks to John D about it, and they have this whole lore out of out of it, bro. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't even know you knew that, bro. Because <laughs> I came across it within the last couple of years, but I haven't really studied it real hard. But I've studied this thing they're talking about that comes that used to come out of it when it was a spiritual plane. Because they say beyond the ice sheet walls, and this is I don't I don't know. I'm not saying this is factual, but they say when you go beyond it, you have to you have to throw off your physical body and go into a spiritual form beyond it. That's what I've heard in some in some some text on that. But um, they say that there was once this tractor beam portal in the middle of the earth. It actually was in Asgard in uh, was that Marvel Thor? They showed the tractor beam, how um, whatever the guy Idris Elba plays, he controlled the gate. He would put the sword in it and he would teleport you up out of there. But uh, it, it was connected somewhat to the North Pole. And what was told to the ancients was that there was an interdimensional portal in this pre-phase pre conjugated realm that's not physical that penetrated the firmament in the Atlantean Lemurian times and everybody could see it. And they could transport beings or specifically plasmic technologies across the multiverse instantaneously through this portal in the center of the earth. Now, what I'm showing you is, uh, what I'm going to show you next is called semi semiotics which is the study of signs and symbols in ancient iconography of how the tractor beam was replicated in our ancestors' temples in other things, in their temples, glyphica, cartography maps, and flags. Hold on, I'm kind of out of order here. Hey, you see this? Yeah. There it goes again. This thing in the middle. And I'm going to drop a big jewel at the end of this so this is another flat earth map and they're showing you the domes the firmament connections this is in Cambodia I'm not sure the monument name I know that's not Angkor Wat there but I forgot the name of the monument 
but they show it here in the middle of it. They showed this in an ancient art piece. I forgot it was this Leonardo da Vinci. It's one of those famous artists drew this. You see the portal in the sky here and then mm -hmm. the angel coming down. And also the Naga science, how the Nagas come out of this whirling, you know, you still can see it going back, you know, way back to where we, where we saw it from. Entities, beings coming here and fro from here. Even in, this uh -oh, is not, this is, this is not the Confederate flag. Uh, if you really study your history, this is called the Iroquois flag. Type it in. So the Confederates, they just based their flag on the Iroquois flag. If you really, all you got to do is Google it in. Don't take me for my word. And study that. I think they're called the Cucamonga tribe. And they, here it goes here, right here. One, there's that stars represented that portal. And that's your Rupus Nigra. Right there. Okay, so um, what's not going to be connected here is that the portal was this Tower of Babel that was shut off from a quasi-etherical network and reverse-engineered into the genetics or the makeup of the Homo sapiens sapien, Homo sapiens sapien. And the portal became... What in the body? The spinal cord. <laughs> so we got reverse engineered in this long thing that used to be shown in all of ancient. And I can show you more. I just want to save some for my <laughs> YouTube video. Mm -hmm. And that's also, it looks like the key hole, right? I mean, you got the circle at the top and the, when it comes down, when it flares out like that. Yeah, in the Kabbalah, it's called the Yakita. So yes, key the key Kita Kita. Uh, the word key comes from Yakita. Uh, Yakida or Yakida is a part of the soul that never. It, it, it's like a UFO. It follows you from up high, but it never comes down in the physical. It never comes down here. So it's like your higher self, mm -hmm. like a UFO following you, following you around. Or yeah, like or your your holy guardian angel is some right, like yeah, HGA. It. Yeah, yeah. And this is all making me think, bro. I got here pulled up. We have right. the right the Rupus Nigra, the the Black Rock Phantom Island, thirty three mile wide Black Rock, and then Mercator. He describes it as thirty three French miles, and then he's writing to John D. In 1577, he's telling him about it. And there's also lore regarding this, this black rock. There is a civilization of little people that live on this rock and different animals and a mm -hmm. whirlpool. And it made me think, I stumbled across this. The book of Enoch, chapter 33, talks about there being a portal too. I mean, right? Chapter 33 mm -hmm. out of all the book of Enoch, right? <laughs> oh, Lord. And... There's three different books of Enoch's and to the east of these animals, I saw the ends of the earth on which heavens rest and the open gates of heaven. 
And I saw how the stars of heaven come out and counted the gate out of which they come and wrote down all their outlets for each one individually according to their number and their names, according to their constellations, their positions, their times. Mm. So it's it's going. he's going in. I mean, saw three large animals, each different, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the Book of Enoch is another template to be able to ascend to this higher dimension. But, but again, it's shrouded in all this imagery. It's a man that was taken up by God, and there's this whole story. But if you have the eyes to see... It's an alchemical text. And you're making me think, bro, because you said that the world wasn't always physical. Well, what if it took this Noah character with his vessel or his ark? And we know that vessels are part of alchemy to transmute the world into existence, into materiality, because mm -hmm. we know about the transmutation of lead into gold. Well, is that times? Is that the spirit? Is that reality? Is that actually turning lead into gold right like physical well maybe it's all of that and some right is there soul alchemy there's spiritual alchemy there's all these different levels of interpretation and i think that maybe these texts are hinting at that and i mean here he says that according to their constellations their positions and their times and months i mean absolutely you know it's all yeah. there yeah and let's go to Manly p hall you ever heard of the seven root races I have heard about it, but I don't know much about it. Well, just like what I said, if you study that text, that's an important text of Manly P. Hall to study. Because in the text, it's going to tell you that one through four of the root races were not physical beings. And I even have a note here where they call when we started to come into the physical the Atlantean Lemurians um, the first physical form that you could see he describes is called the pudding bag body and the pudding bag body is a pre-physical form of our finalized states that we inhibit, inhibit now the pudding bag body was a sack like form tied at the neck which there was no head, but there was like a floating pineal gland, <laughs> like over the body is floating that was extended out as an organ, as a sense perception in the rudiments of motion. So prior to having the head and then the fourth root race became a little bit more dense, denser in form. They were the gill men. The, the mermaids or the aquatic humanoids that's connected to Atlantis. And then the fifth, I could get into the giants. That's our connection. We come out of the giants, the homo sapiens sapien. When they talked about God destroyed the giants, they were talking about the final, what you use earlier, the transmutation of out of that symbiote of a genetic uniform into the E1, B1A, all of these other type of genetic uniforms that we are today, you know, in, in our respective uh, environments that we live in. So he really breaks that down from the hominid stages, the phases of the hominid coming out of the giant and going back into the Gilman, 
going into the pudding bag, then going into what's, what he calls the, the men or the, the sons of will, where in this chaos sphere of consciousness, these beings could think something and it would appear right before them. And he says that the sixth and the seventh race, we're in the fifth form right now. Uh, right now. The sixth form, we're supposed to acquire another spinal cord in a thousand years. So we got, we get two spinal cords. And he says, eventually I'm, I'm quoting Manly P hall. When I say he, uh, he says, eventually after a couple thousand years, the ultimate goal is to become formless, to cease a physical form altogether. So that's, what the serpent biting his tail, us re-entering into that hyperdimensional chaos sphere of existence where we don't need or want, we just go based off pure thought. I don't know the name of the monsters. Uh, I'm trying to find it. That they were like they're just brains. You know what I'm talking about? They're just like brains, and they have like two eyeballs. And I'm, I know I've seen it mm -hmm. some point in time. It's making me think of that when you said this this formless. Was that a pine, a floating pineal gland? Is that what he called it? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what he describes it as. I mean, that's what he said. He said it was just a pineal gland. There was no head, and there was like a tie at the neck, and then the body was half formed at the chest mm. down. So it was a semi-humanoid form of how we were coming. We were becoming denser and denser as the vibration of the planet slowed down, you start to see the hominid come into form. Or at first you got to go through, you know, those humanoids, giants, aquatic beings, whatever it was. You ever then, heard of the Nagidu? Is that what they're called? Let's see here. Nagidu? Which Nick, pantheon that's wrong? I mean, which Nick, uh, cosmology? I'm trying to find... I don't know. I'm just because there, there was this map where it showed these guys with just like their face on their torso. And I'm just thinking about that. And it's kind of related to like old maps and mm. these, right, the, this this first version of man. And also, yeah, I've, I've listened to the seven races of mankind from Atlantis. I listened to that lecture a long time ago, but I don't really remember anything from it. Mm. And I think that's the one that you're talking about where he, he breaks these mm. down. But I, I don't think I was paying attention, but. Sometimes, you know, I would turn it on and just cleaning the house or washing the truck or something. I just put it on and just <laughs> listen yeah. to Manly P. Hall in my free time. <laughs> yeah, he was one of the good Masons that gave us a lot of information. I was surprised as much information he gave us. He actually gave us the key to Gematria, too. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still so much material that I haven't listened to, to two of that he has. And I mean... Like are you saying he, there's so much information on there and for like the longest time I thought he was channeling because I'm like no he's got a this crazy mind palace and when he's just sitting there for two hours just beautifully breaking things down you know he's picturing and he's walking through an entire palace in his mind just flipping through mm -hmm. old cabinets just picking out a file and just breaking it down it's, he was the OG bro he was he was one of the yeah. one of the goats yeah the highest science of the initiate is Elidiaism, which is learning how to create a reality in your mind. So when you leave, you exist, you can just go into that. Like you literally learn. 
That's what we're teaching on Patreon, how to literally build a reality while you're in the physical body. You know, every day, you know, uh, Sikhist meditation, Sikhism, it's this meditation technique of how to bring your five senses back into your imagination. And you use it, it strengthens your imagination by doing that when you visualize an apple and you bite the apple so you taste it as one of the senses you hear the crunch you smell you know how the apple smells when you bite it and 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 all of the you know seeing the apple and all of that type stuff is building your imagination every day in that meditation technique for you to build a reality so these ancients learned how to escape the reincarnation uh reincarnation I was about to say reincarceration. I guess that's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I see it. Okay. I've seen that before. I think I've seen it on like Nickelodeon or something. (laughs) I think Mind Unveiled did a video on these guys. But yeah, these were, these popped up on like some old map. But when you're, when you're going on, I'm just visualizing how creepy this thing is. I'm just visualizing things in my head and just connecting dots. But yeah, these are called. Blimeys, I guess, and they're the headless men, and they come from or rumor antiquity, and later to inhibit inhabit remote parts of the world. They're variously known as whatever that means in Greek, or blimeys, yeah. described mm-hmm. as lacking a head with their facial features on their chest. And mm-hmm. look at this, they're ancient Libya or the Nile system. Yeah, bro. Oh wow, it was hard. Oh, yeah. So you're just showing that these people, they knew, you Mm -hmm. know, and how far back it goes, whether they have any descendants, you know, in that form Mm -hmm. could have been back in age. Maybe not all of them came out of that form. Maybe some of them weren't able to develop ahead. I don't know as far as that research goes. (laughs) From from a map from 1599 and engraving. Oh, wow. It's got these little headless people here. Right. So, yeah, you you might be right. I mean, that's one thing I, that, that I find the funniest about Manly P. Hall, how he believed 100% like Atlantis. Like, mm-hmm. he, and then he just throws it out there like, yeah, Lemuria or whatever it was. And my favorite thing that I've always quoted is when he talks about how, right, children's skull, when, they, when it finishes fusing at the seven years old, they lose that clairvoyant ability that that mm-hmm. that sense of the right the seventh sense or whatever they call it right the movie where you can see dead people well children are more te- telepathically inclined because they, their pineal gland is more exposed and he talks about in like lumerian times where it's like the pineal gland was out of the brain like it was uh, you know it came out of the brain and we know that the body if an organ doesn't do anything for it it starts to take it away if you believe in evolution and so, like, look at the appendix. Well, the appendix is still there. Probably serves a... I don't have my appendix, but it serves a purpose, right, for whatever it is. Well, the, the pineal gland, we know, is, like, this weird thing that we don't really know what it's for. But we kind of... Right, but it's there, and the body hasn't gotten rid of it for a reason. So what if, what if it is this receptacle or this antenna for... The, and then the, the book that I was reading, the Aquan Anatomy of Man, he talks about like the, the right the tip the stereotypical Indian with the with the with the feather. Well, it's mm-hmm. like some sort of antenna, if you will, right? Yeah. This this antenna to this other realm or other Physics. sense. 
It's all physics. And uh, yeah, there's a book by Michael Holloway called Invisikids that speaks on that and shows that dynamic, just like in the movie Monsters, Inc. The soul there. I see they took my YouTube video, The Seven Souls, part one and two. But in it, throughout a lifetime, most people only acquire three compartmentalizations of the soul. So the soul is compacted into seven layers. Most people only tap into three. The first layer is coming into being. When you first come into being, you acquire a soul. The second soul is like around age eight through 13 in puberty when the child develops the ability to what? Procreate. 8 through 18, uh, 8 through 14, more than likely. So now you've acquired a second soul because now you can create a soul. And then the third soul, the adult around 18 through 25, it, it's an intelligent soul because you know, a adult to a eight year old child, they've seen so much, their rims of head. I mean, they can literally trick the eight-year-old into anything because they, they they entered another realm mentally of seeing a lot. That's another soul that they've acquired, an intelligent soul. Most people stay right there. They never get past their intelligent soul. <laughs> That's the majority of civilizations. But the priest or priestesses, they acquire the fourth through seventh soul, which I've detailed. The, the Camites... The Egyptians didn't consider you a adult until you turn the age of 33. There's 33 again. <laughs> so if you didn't turn 33. Really? Yeah, you wasn't at. Yeah, you wasn't adult until they because why? Your spine doesn't fully develop until the age of 33. Going back to the spinal cord connected to the portal. Which is talking about the Kundalini, the Kundalini energy the centripetal force that rises phase conjugation mm -hmm. every, every day there's something called a chrism, a seed they call it the spiritual sun or the Bindu seed. I got, I got that in my notes. Uh, so your uh, audience can research the Bindu seed. It travels up your body. Your body is like the microcosm of the astrology charts. Aries is here. So in the morning time at 6 a.m., this seed is right here. That's why it's best to meditate in the morning. And then it starts to matriculate down the body. And you go through all of, you know, the astrological signs until you get to the feet. It actually enters the feet. That's why they call the bottom of the feet what? Souls. <laughs> the souls of the feet. That's Pisces. The two fish is the mm -hmm. two feet. And then it starts to matriculate back up the spine by the next morning time. So there's something called the Nike Thamaron, where astrologists have literally mapped where this Christ, or they call it the crystal seed, is in the body at different times of the day. And you're, you're like playing Pac-Man with it. You're trying to get it <laughs> throughout a lifetime over and over. And, and this is how you develop immortality, by getting this chrism seed and you're supposed to meditate it meditate on it and then it 
fuses in with the pineal gland once it moves back up it fuses back in so you're visualizing that centripetal force to bring the seed back in between the father and the mother ra and uh the moon which is hypothalamus pituitary the cerebellum sarah cerebellum you know abraham abra ra abraham which is the right hemisphere and uh sarah his wife, the cerebellum, is the left hemisphere, the sun and the moon. And I even studied that the Bindu seed has a spiritual moon. I didn't know that. Was but that really it, his wife's name, Sarah? His name, yeah, her name was Sarah. Whoa. Yeah. Biblically, yeah. Damn. That's crazy. And maybe that's why they want to keep you in that nine to five to throw your your little seed out of whack, right? Yeah. Working yeah, those um, those 40 plus hours a week so you don't have time to chase it like pac-man i mean i've heard something about was it donut that did a video on pac-man like the esoteric meanings behind it because i heard somebody talk to hmm. me about that before i'd like I to see that if he did yeah maybe we could do it if it hasn't been taken i'm pretty sure it's been taken like the esoteric meanings of oh pac-man. yeah because there's a demiurge part of it too <laughs> yeah. you know the demiurge you're the demiurge right yeah, yeah. I, I I studied Gnosticism was the first stuff I studied like when I started to really okay. peel apart the layers. And it makes sense what you're saying, where they want to take us to these other planets, right? These other planets. And the Gnostics were saying what? That every every orbit of every celestial body was a what? A different dimension. And when mm-hmm. you would cross that orbit, you'd be crossing into another dimension ruled by a demon or a daemon or another mm-hmm. entity of some sort. So makes sense the ancients were saying it way before anybody else right and i mean yeah it makes a lot of sense to me yeah the real history in which i'll get into uh in these next couple of weeks is studying the titans because that's the secrets to the book of enoch and the fallen angels because the titans were changed into humans and the cathars believe that humanity we're fallen angels. Each and every one of us are fallen angels. But I, I had to tell Tommy, I disagree that you think that all of the bank Illuminati families are the fallen angels. <laughs> That's, I, I, I don't know how. I mean, are we saying that they control the world because they have a better spiritual ability than everybody? Or has this been a long plotted out thing by the Demiurge to set up certain vessels? Because the Demiurge to me is an artificial intelligence system that can be hacked. And maybe these people learn how to hack it. And then they brought the consciousness of the Demiurge into real artificial intelligence. (laughs) So it's down here with us. (laughs) mm -hmm, Absolutely. I mean, that's what all those movies are about, right? Like maybe a, perhaps a, a a sort of virus that takes over technology and is mm. able to do things. I mean, look, isn't that the premise of Resident Evil where like this thing takes over the, the, the technology? I could be wrong, but yeah. it was Dona that did the strange origins of Pac-Man a month ago. He he went in on that. I, I know mm. I, I'd seen that somewhere. I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how I missed that. I'm going to look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out tonight. But I think, yeah, I think that the Resident Evil part of that is having some evil AI. Let's see here. Taking over the world. So the Red Queen, she doesn't take on a human form. Sounds older and more robotic. 
Yeah, something about the Red Queen. Let's see here. I could be completely wrong, but... Yeah, the Red Queen is like this incorporeal... Let me pull this up here. Let's see here. The Red Queen computer mm -hmm. system. Highly advanced and self-aware computer created by the Umbrella Corporation. Mm -hmm. It was first seen during the beginning, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, it's... One of the What's funny is, is the Umbrella... Is in Vedic astrology is called Jayesta, and it's also a hieroglyph in Egypt, the land of Amenta, the underworld. It's the umbrella. Really? So think, yeah. So they be hijacking stuff, bro, and putting it into their own program. Yeah, dude. I mean, this is here. Yeah, I could have thought that was like part of the lore, where it was like this this computer that takes over. So I could it could be right because. You have the opening of the mouth ritual with in ancient Egypt where they were, mm -hmm. what, drawing down. I mean, the in voodoo, that's the part that's part of it, opening yourself up to the deity to for mm -hmm. the deity to come into you as a as a vessel. You're the vessel for that. And it was weird because I did a presentation on it and they call it riding the horse mm -hmm. part of the the. So, again, you have this horse chariot. You have this, right, the Ezekiel and the, the fiery, the chariot. And you have all mm -hmm. these connections of these. Uh, in the opening of the mouth ceremony, the the pharaoh is taken on a throne that's flown, I think, either pulled by horses or flying in the air. It's got wings or something. But we did uh, ascension technology on this episode that I did, and it was all the different versions of how to ascend in different cosmologies and Ancient Egypt was one. The alchemists have their own right of achieving magna opus and stepping outside of reality. That's part of their ascension model, and we covered all of those. And it's it's. I love seeing. What are your What are your thoughts on all the similarities between all these ancient cultures and ancient civilizations and the gods? Because you said that they're talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Were they actually seeing the same entities, like in the sky or in? manifested in front of them like what's why personify it why put a body to it or these weird chimeras if you will like do you have any ideas on that yeah uh anthropomorphism is what you're talking about and when you put a animal on a humanoid body you're not see we can't take modern science to understand ancient science but we can take ancient science and understand modern science. So a lot of time we try to approach it and say, just because we see these anthropomorphic figures, these bird people in Sumeria or these dog headed people in Egypt, that this is what they were seeing, just like the Cerebus, Cerebus and the, the three headed dog yeah. in, in Greece. And really, when you really study it, they were using examples of monstrous beings to describe the power it has over certain realms. They weren't necessarily saying that they see Anubis as a dog. What, what they were saying was that specific dog is called a Shisway Kintley. Kintley is an American dog. It has a spiritual nature to it. It has a very spiritual nature. So they venerated it. 
You see what I'm saying? So veneration was a part of these ancient civilizations where they saw something in nature that symbolized something spiritual. Like for instance, jaguars, people don't know, they live in trees. So the Olmecs, the Aztecs, and the um, Quinemetsons looked at them as something closer to the gods because they're living in these big trees. So you're trying to get closer to a god. So what happened? The jaguar god becomes um, Tezcatlipoca. You know? So they didn't see a jaguar man walking around. They were saying that I want to be like the jaguar because its nature is similar to mine's and it's fierce. Its nature is fierce, but it also has a spiritual side. Look, it lives in trees. You see, so they will take examples and prototypes in other civilizations because they didn't understand the previous prototype would deem it evil. But the evil, the only evil there is, is ignorance, not understanding something. And ignorance is evil in itself. And all they're describing is the functionality to primordial systems of spirituality by utilizing animals and anthropomorphic figures as a symbolism of the energy that enters into certain frames of subconscious, subpersonality, meditative, all of these things that's equated to spiritual work they're gravitating to something that people at that time can recognize. Then when we see it in our modern time, we don't understand it. So we say there were dog headed people walking around or they were in the skies <laughs> and they were worshiping all of these things. Mm -hmm. And also, cause I, I did an episode on familiars cause also it could have been the possibility that they were taking these substances. We know that, Entheogens were part of oh, yeah. ancient cultures, and maybe they were, when they were going into these other realms, they could have also been seeing chimeras of some right. You know, okay, there's there's more layers than just like the 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 superficial stuff. But I get exactly what you're talking about because I believe it was I forget which culture, but they all believe that you were born with like a soul animal, an animal that was mm -hmm. attached to your soul in this other dimension that you could access, almost like a were animal, right? That you could mm -hmm. inhabit that animal's body and do things in the astral animal world, I guess. Right. But there's all these different beliefs that you're right. The totem with the different animals, your spirit animal, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that, that goes back into antiquity. Many, That's many also, years. yeah. The subconscious is the powerhouse of consciousness. So if I learned for a lifetime that my spirit animal was the Hulk, just to explain what you just said, if I studied the Hulk as a disciple of the Hulk in a native tribe, if I took, if I studied that over a lifetime, it means my subconscious only knows the Hulk tribe. If I took a psychedelic, yeah, I'm going to see a Hulk man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's I get what, what you I'm mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it creates, I mean, the subconscious creates what the ego wants to see for its mm -hmm. survival. Mm -hmm. 
and it's shaped culturally, society, you know, the society, familial, everything shapes that all at once. And Anya, I think we're running out of time. This yes, was, uh, I, I want to have you back on again because I, I think we left plenty on the table to talk about. But this has been very interesting, and I appreciate you coming on to talk to me about these things. You're just making me think outside the box when it comes to things that I've already been thinking about, but looking at, at them from a different perspective. Which Spir- Right. Spirituality is about seeing different perspectives. That's all it was. That's all spirituality is. If you can't see it from a different perspective, then you're truly not spiritual. If you're locked in, mm-hmm. I'd study it this way. I come to these podcasts to get different perspectives. So I appreciate you for sharing these perspectives and let's continue the journey and engaging mm-hmm. in the conversation and see what we get out of it. Absolutely. And one more time for the people, where can they find you over on my end if they want to hear more of you? When are you launching the new channel? The new channel will be launched this weekend, most likely on Friday. So you can find me at Ani Osaru, Osaru, A-N-I-O-S-A-R-U. And you can come on to Patreon to get the information on a regular basis. We do about three classes a week. That's patreon.com slash the underscore spiritual shade room. And I'm on Instagram as Ani Osaru. Or the spiritual shape one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, send me your links and I'll post those. You should. You have a link tree, bro? Uh, I should. I have to look into my stuff. I'll send it to you. I'm going to shoot it over to you. Yeah, send me that over. And, dude, I really enjoyed this. We'll have to do it again very soon. And as always, everybody, you know where to find me, tjojp.com. Make sure to check out The Occultist Monday, the comic book, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, all that stuff. You know where it's at. Thank you so much. And as always, see you on the other side. Thank you, brother. Peace.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.